and welcome back to the FPL Lounge podcast. We are back with another hybrid show where we review double game week 28 and also preview another big double game week 29. My name is Chris Hopkins and I am joined by, I have to say, a very forlorn, a very sad looking Andy Case. Andy, um, I guess this game week for you has just been one of those game weeks where it's kind of everything that could go wrong sort of has gone wrong. I know we don't spend a lot of time really talking about our own team or our own decision making uh, on this one. And obviously, uh, you know, listeners to the show will know that I'm not really playing uh, the game anymore this year. But um, I do feel quite sorry for you this week. And I haven't even had that many sad text messages from you. But I think just in general, it's, uh, it's just not gone all that well, has it? It hasn't at all. No. And I am actually very, I think the weekend was difficult time for me with both FPL and football uh, because um, what, what everything that just went completely wrong on Saturday um, was then followed up by uh, just a utterly morale sapping performance from, from, from obviously the team that I support. Um, And it's like, you know, you go through, you go through the change curve, don't you of anger and, denial and all that stuff but it's just sad is the word I could use to describe this weekend for on both those fronts I just felt really sad um and 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 when one one or two things that are annoying happen you get a bit frustrated at first but yeah by the end of Saturday with FPL it would just become in a yeah comedy of errors and 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 Sunday finish me off yeah you you uh you then you do tend to to veer I think sometimes particularly maybe this is just over you know, over text, but you do tend to veer a bit towards anger quite quick, quite quickly. I feel with FPL, but then, yeah, I guess um, there didn't seem to be too much kind of hope come come Sunday either for your team maybe lifting your mood. So so yeah, it's a uh, it's, it's a sorry state of affairs, sad sad all around. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I guess uh, we'll get into into some of that, Andy. Um, just I guess in terms of the players that didn't didn't perform. Uh, in 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 game week game week 28. So let's uh, let's start by running down uh, running down our, our you know, the review segment of the of this show. We'll start as we always do by uh, reviewing our players on the radar, of which there were many. Obviously trying to take advantage of this double game week 28, but also we'll look ahead. I think to 29 and the players that will be playing with blank in blank game week 30. Uh, we did do a swimming against the tide, so we'll have a quick look at that and a review also of captaincy just to just to stick uh, rub, uh, rub a bit more. So in in Andy's wounds and that's before we obviously crack on with the preview for game week 29 which will come after after this this review uh, so let's start Andy with, with with Chelsea you know they seem to have ultimately two of the best fixtures I guess you could probably get in a, in, a, in a double game week um you know we're recording just after just after they've dispatched uh, with Norwich but obviously earlier in this earlier in this game week they they have Burnley two uh, you know two away games which I guess p- could potentially cause a few issues but in the end no real issues for Chelsea scoring uh, scoring seven and uh, conceding only only the one um we definitely felt going into this that I guess Antonio Rudiger was the safest pick played the vast majority of games this season started uh, you know, started the vast majority played the full 90 in in, in most of those as well um but we did mention that Tuchel can be susceptible to some roulette too uh, you know plenty of rotation especially among his defenders where he does seem to have um, more options than most but Rudiger did feel like the safest pick but in the end that didn't end up playing out either and then 
Reese James, who we did flag as a bit of a risk, you know, a bit of a wild card. Um, but obviously he ended up only starting one of those games as well, but with an incredible display, um, which you know he's he's known for in FPL. Um, with, you know he got a goal and an assist, three bonus uh, and a clean sheet, obviously in that first game against Burnley. So 18 points for him, whereas it was just six for Rudiger. And I guess uh, those uh, those that paid attention at the top of the show will know which one of the pair you went with. Well, absolutely, yeah, and I think the preview from last week will demonstrate the fact that I, I, I guess we were feeling more confident about Rudiger. I guess the thinking was we we felt fairly confident Rudiger was going to start too because of the fact he's only missed one game all season, despite that slight rotation in some defensive positions. Rudiger's been a mainstay, so you know um, James was like was likely to only start one. We thought, and you know he might have started two because in the end it was only injury rather than rotation that kept him out the second game, but. If he had only started um, one um, and been fit, um, and then maybe if if he'd got one return, uh, even that wouldn't have you know kind of outdone two Rudiger clean sheets. So so the ceiling was obviously always higher for James. Um, and I think I even said in an ideal world I'd I'd, I'd pick Reese James, but but yeah the 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 plan was Rudiger was going to get two starts and and two cracks at a clean sheet and. Um, yeah obviously didn't didn't work out like that I mean it's it's uh, when we get on to Wolves as well I sent you a, I sent you a stat earlier about the combination of my Rudiger and Kilman picks but um yeah but between Rudiger and Kilman they'd only missed one game so far this season that's one Rudiger game missed Kilman had played every minute for for Wolves this season and and both of them benched so yeah just one example of of of, of many uh catastrophes for, for me this game week but no in terms of Chelsea assets obviously great for them unfortunately unfortunately you know conceded a penalty so didn't those that did have them that uh, I think Thiago Silva started uh, both as did Chalobah in the end so if you if you had Chalobah you probably did all right as well because he's got a, a clean sheet a goal in this game um, uh, but but yeah if you if you had either of those two then then you'd probably still be um, relatively happy uh, it, not that this means much for their FPL points as such, but just uh, although the, the results look good, apparently the performances were a little bit mixed. Um, I, obviously, neither of these games were, were live on TV in in the UK, but from the from the highlights and the reports, uh, Chelsea were in the first game bad in the first half, good in the second. But then in this Norwich game, the other way around, they were good in the first half, bad in the second. Apparently, so. Um, yeah, I mean, th- there's a lot of uncertainty, obviously, around Chelsea off the pitch. Um, at, at, well, there has been for a couple of weeks since the whole uh, Russia-Ukraine thing, and, and that has grown even more so. Which I get, we'll, guess we'll get into a little bit, maybe on the on the preview. But there was Tuchel was was pretty honest in his post-match um, comments after this game that uh, that, that that it did have an effect. Um, that 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 uh, there's doubts around the club and, and lots of question marks. So yeah, just going forward, I suppose if that is going to bleed into performances, that that it hasn't necessarily affected uh, results and therefore FPL points, but but maybe it will going forward. Yeah, I think that's absolutely absolutely fair. I mean, Chelsea of uh, blank in game week. Game week 30, um, obviously they've just got a single against Newcastle in 20, in 29, but then uh, after that, Brentford, Southampton, Leeds. So a relatively kind 
kind run so maybe poor performances you know they will be able to get away with them somewhat it's not like they've got a particularly difficult run coming up where where, where possibly you wouldn't want to invest in, in Chelsea assets um and I guess coming on to them and you know at the other end of the pitch um Kai Havertz was a guy that again you know we both we both like but haven't really trusted from an FPL point of view um for a little while but he really had a, a great game week as well two goals uh one bonus in the first game against Burnley one goal in this and an assist tonight not sure what he picked up in terms of bonus but I'm sure he got something tonight um yeah another player that I guess if you had a bit of a crystal ball I mean you know I'm sure there'll be plenty of people that that you know, that own habits that will be feeling pretty pretty smug and feel like they did have crystal ball but I don't think would have necessarily envisaged him starting both games and and I think you, know, you mentioned on the preview Andy that in the reverse fixture against Norwich he is uh, Chelsea scored seven he played in the in the false nine position and didn't get a single a single attacking return in that game so you know, he has been a player that's flattered to deceive a few times I think from a kind of personal Personal point of view, it's nice to see him do well, but I think we want to see it from him on a more consistent basis, and that probably justifies the fact that we weren't massively hot on him going into this double anyway. Yeah, no, exactly, and, and despite those returns massively overperforming the underlying numbers still. So, um, yeah, I mean, he got four, four goals and assists from an expected goal involvement of, like, less than two. So, um, you know, maybe sometimes that's down to finishing a great, you know, finishing well a chance, which which isn't a high probability one. But I don't think that that was necessarily the case here. It's just it's just one of those things. Uh, it's a small sample size, and uh, yeah, he's done well in this in this game week. Uh, but I think, um, yeah, like you said, we'd want we'd want I'd want to see more returns from him really in that false nine position more consistently before I became confident that that was that was going to continue. I'm going to ask you a question now, and I don't mean this to stick the knife in at all, or to twist the knife rather, but I think, um, you know, we have both admitted quite openly, I think, on, 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 on earlier pods that we are relatively conservative, risk-averse FPL players. And I think that we definitely had a, a, a discussion, probably both off and on air last game week, about sort of the Rudiger versus James um, you know, dichotomy ultimately that, that James has, as you said, a, high, a higher ceiling, but Rudiger felt like he had a higher floor. Um, do you, and it's easy for me not playing this game to sit here and say, oh, well, you know, it, I'd have gone for Reese James. He felt like he had the upside. It was a riskier pick, but in the, in the sense it would have paid off. Is there any kind of not regret from you. I wouldn't. I wouldn't frame it like that. But is, is is there any part of you that kind of thinks maybe you'd change strategy a little bit? Maybe start taking a few more risks. Obviously, it would have paid off this week, but equally, it might not pay off you know, in, in in others. So, is there is there any part of you that that's maybe thinking that you would possibly be more or less risk averse going forward, or do you think you'll still kind of stick with it because ultimately the the, the thinking behind your decision-making was still relatively sound. I, I mean, I guess for me personally, I'll, I'll, I imagine I'll probably still end up playing the probabilities. I can't see myself ever being in a situation where I have two options and one's more likely than another. And I go for the one that is, is less likely. So if now some of that likelihood is, is down to probably like personal opinion and interpretation. Um, we had no definite certainty over who was going to start how many games, for example, in this instance. Right. But I mean, I think, you know, I said to you in text before the deadline that I was tempted or what in the game week before I had, a, had a choice between Bednarek and Livermento wanted to go live, live, Livermento uh, because of the upside. 
but went Bednarek because there was there was doubts over over Livermento starting and, and it didn't work out for me. Livermento ended up getting more points. So that, you know, shouldn't bias, but did bias my thinking going into this game week. Um, maybe, maybe slightly tempted to go towards towards James rather than Rudiger. And I think we've said it plenty of times, you and I generally prefer a wing back or a full back over, over a central defender. So um, I've always kind of would, would have had that preference and maybe just on, a, you know, with a different kind of look on things, I could have ended up go, going with James, but I just really was with his kind of um, injury history and with him, having only played 50% of the minutes so far since he'd been back. Um, I, I really was, wasn't confident in, in, in his, um, in his starts. Had, had I been, you know, if Rudiger had been someone who'd been rotated so far this season a bit, that would have helped me because I, I would have almost definitely gone for James in that instance. Cause I would have thought, well, if they're both at risk, I might as well go for the one that's got the higher ceiling and could get some attacking returns. But it was, it was what I suspect, what I thought would be Rudiger's more so certainty to start both games, which, which, which sort of just tipped the favor of the probabilities there for, for me. So um, I, yeah, I guess what to answering your question might, you know, if I look, I might look at things differently in the future in terms of like trying to work out what that probability is, but being, being like risk averse, I can, I can only ever imagine me going for the one that I think is most likely to happen. Yeah, no, that that makes sense. But yeah, I think it, I think it is worth posing. I mean, I'd forgotten about the Benarek sort of Livermento incident, and obviously there's been another one now. So I do wonder if that would maybe, maybe cause you to 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 you know roll the dice a little bit more possibly. But like I say, I think I think that you know the the question that I'm asking is also influenced by the fact that I'm not playing, and it's very easy easy for me to sit here and be like, oh yeah, you know, when we are texting about these things at the weekend just before the deadline, it's very easy for me to say, oh yeah, you know, roll the dice, but. Um, if it was my own decision, I'm, I, you know, I, I can't hand on heart say that I'd have made a different one to you. So, yeah, interesting just just to get your perspective on, on that. I mean, you've already mentioned Andy one. Um, yeah, the, the the other thing that kind of killed you ultimately in the, in this game week, and it was obviously a very unlikely Max Kilman uh, benching too. Um, having said that, Wolves, uh, you obviously did, you know, did concede in the first game of of the game week. Obviously, that's that you know, that ultimately meant that you didn't get much from Kilman at all uh, this game week. But you know, their underlying numbers in terms of the amount of goals that they've been conceding, or at least the quality of chances that they've been conceding, haven't been that great over recent game weeks. Having said that, obviously tonight they kept a clean sheet against Watford, a very unconvincing Watford. Um, uh, Wolves took the lead pretty early on, and we just did sort of you know did a job throughout. And, and Watford seemingly um, aren't really offering much at all, and feel as good as down. Now, I guess it, Wolves are almost a bit of a difficult one to 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 pick out. They've had a few troublesome results recently, but sort of seemingly back on course tonight. Uh, going forward, Andy, I mean, Wolves defenders still feel like they could be a decent decent option, um, but. If they hadn't got this result tonight, I think we might be feeling quite differently about them. Yeah, well, they 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 are massively, massively overperforming the defensive numbers, and we have mentioned that on the show. But um, sometimes that is just a sign of a, of a defense, or particularly a goalkeeper who who are good at keeping the ball out out of the net, where they're facing big chances, but but managing to sort of stop them going in. Um, more often than not, though, that even even the teams that are good uh, when it comes to uh, overperforming their their expected goals conceded, do, do, you know the the level of di- difference that Wolves are seeing is 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 
by any standard just like extraordinary um so there was always suspicion it would it would kind of like regress back to the mean a little bit and um so i, I yeah I, I it all i think wolves sort of defense might might come down to kind of fixtures uh like just like most a lot of other teams i suppose there really this was you know in this watford game uh watford haven't haven't obviously created very much and and, and that's that's helped obviously walls to to keep a clean sheet there um for us, we, we i think kilman as well as being in my team was obviously the one we, in terms of again trying to balance off that price versus starts thing um was was the one that we were that we were saying and and then and then yeah he's missed the clean sheet and um and uh you know played during the the non-clean sheet and gave away a penalty as well but um i think i think had he played both i'd be feeling a little bit better about it probably because we'd be saying well the reason we went for someone like a Wolves defender in a double is because of those two cracks at a clean sheet and and, and that's kind of how it's worked out so if you had a, a a cody or a size then then you've then you've benefited from that and you probably think it's fair enough yeah, absolutely. I guess I guess Cody's only marginally more expensive, I think, than uh, than Kilman. Size obviously a little bit more, but um, but yeah, I guess if if, if that was the way that, that you went, then then fair fair play. Um, I guess uh, another team that's sort of blown hot and cold recently, Andy. They were, um, you know, they'd, they'd, they'd won two previously against Everton and Norwich, and then have come into uh, double game week twenty eight and, and and lost both games. Is, is Southampton and comprehensively beaten. 4-0 against Aston Villa and then lost tonight against against Newcastle and sort of resurgent Newcastle, really. We were, again, hot on Southampton at both ends of the pitch. They've got some cheap defensive options that you can take advantage of, Tino Livramento being being one that you've already mentioned. Uh, but equally, Armando Broger and Che Adams at the other end of the pitch, Adams in particular with his underlying numbers, although Broger was um, you know, was considerably cheaper and a, and, and a player that we both like the look of. Uh, but blanks all round, really. They're not really much to shout about from a Southampton point point of view I feel like they'll they're going to be firmly off the radar going forward well I mean Newcastle are four points behind Southampton now with a game in hand so it that is crazy to say Newcastle have 31 points and just 35 for Southampton so yeah that and that would put them in the top half if they managed to catch Southampton um uh yeah so Newcastle with a game in hand four points off the top half is is resurgent is is most certainly the word and for Southampton it's such a shame yeah because um you you said I think hot and cold is where you describe them and that's that's absolutely yeah and it's 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 played Harson Hootle's time on you know Southampton under him really um they've obviously had the two nine nils against them but then they've had some fantastic results against teams like City and some long periods of decent defensive numbers in that time as well so it's been a very odd one and I think if he if they had managed you you know whenever there's a sort of mid to higher uh league team manager job come up Harson Hootle kind of gets thrown in there as a bit of a dark horse um he often gets people often say when Southampton are on these good runs that he's a uh, he's doing a lot with the with the resources he, he's got and um so uh, but I think and you know whilst whilst he has these 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 sort of really bad patches because when it's bad for Southampton it's it's really bad right I mean losing at home to Newcastle conceding four to Villa and, and those yeah aforementioned nine nils it, it it can't look good on any on any manager's CV that so yeah uh, it, it make it does make you worry uh, if you're if you're picking players in, in in that team for your FPL 
um, you know, squad going going forward. I, I guess it doesn't necessarily throw out. You know, we've spoken highly about Walker Peters, about Livermento, about Broja. You know, their their underlying numbers have were good. I mean, that's just they have been good. Their underlying numbers, all those players, um, in recent game weeks and on the ball. You know, we 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 like them. Like Livermento and Broja in particular look like like lively young young players. Um, so you know. I guess if, if as particularly for those younger ones, maybe again there's an excuse excuse there that, that they're not going to they're not going to give you those amazing performances every week, and they're both quite cheap assets, Broja and and Livermento. So how much can you expect? Um, it, and it's just unfortunate, I guess, that neither have delivered in in this double game week because there would have been more focus on them. But but um, zoom out at the end of the season and we'll see see where they are. I think we'll probably be thinking they've got a reasonable return of points for their price. Yeah, I think that's completely fair. And yeah, just looking at, at, the, at the next few fixtures, you know, they've got Watford, then a blank, and then Leeds. So yeah, maybe not quite time to sell if you have invested in Southampton assets just yet. Uh, as we as as we've said about Watford, you know, they looked incredibly poor uh, tonight, and uh, and and Leeds will might come on to in a minute. They also looked incredibly poor. Uh, tonight um let's talk about that resurgent newcastle andy because you know, they've picked up uh, a couple of, a couple of victories i believe in this in this game week um yeah beating brighton and then obviously beating southampton away tonight but no clean sheets for them i think they're still dogged a little bit at least they were in in, in the brighton game by conceding goals from set pieces um and then equally um you know four goals across the two games but four different goal scorers and assists seem to be coming from all over the shop as well so it's very difficult to kind of pin down an asset from newcastle to go forward we did mention uh, fabian share obviously in 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 the in the preview and, and I guess you know Dan Burns is another defensive asset both of those cropped up with attacking returns but neither with any clean sheet obviously in this game week and then Ryan Fraser was a, was a player that I think we might have briefly mentioned Jacob Murphy is another one that, that I think you've liked on the eye previously I mean Fraser got a goal and assist but again all against Brighton nothing tonight um, Murphy I think got an assist as well, assisted Fraser again but you know, nothing tonight and then you know, we, we've got Chris Woods getting off the schneid this evening and Bruno Guimarães with his first goal in in English football, but obviously he seemed to be a late addition to the starting lineup with Joe Linton's injury. So it's still a massive question mark over Newcastle, but they do double in 29. They're the only team um, to have doubled in both of these last two game weeks. So they still feel like they could possibly work be worth an investment. It's just it's just who, and I guess would still maybe plump for the cheap defenders. I think we probably would. I mean, it's worth saying that Ryan Fraser's had quite a few returns. I think something like it was between 35 and 40 FPL points in his last sort of five or six game weeks, which is which is pretty good. Um, his underlying numbers are up there with Luis Diaz and, and the four, aforementioned Kai Havertz as well, sort of top like 10 to 15 amongst midfielders for underlying numbers. Um, in the last four matches, uh, Ryan Fraser. So, yeah, I think in a Newcastle team, you know, who haven't been creating a great deal, that that that's not bad. And and he's, you know, re- relatively cheap. I, I mean, would I put my money where my mouth is, even at 5.3 million? I, d- I don't know if, 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 I, if I could quite do it, because obviously we've seen over the years that he doesn't necessarily sustain it. So so I think ultimately, yes, that would that would mean that what you, what you said, you just purely because of their price because they're so cheap those defensive assets would 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 maybe be the direction to go the a lot of the um 
reason that people have been bringing them in is is the number of of, of games they've had though, right? So uh, that 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 obviously will change. They 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 double again here in in 29, but after that they'll kind of lose that advantage they have over some other assets, right? They obviously blank in 30, and then they have Tottenham, Wolves, Leicester after the blank. So um, even though they're cheap. Where you know the upside of them that they currently have those types of players, i.e., they had two games this game week. They've got two coming up in the next one. You know that they won't have that plus point when you're when you're making your comparisons. So it might make it a bit less favourable. Absolutely. Uh, and we did round off our radar just with a, a quick overview of all of the teams that pre-game week 28 uh, had four fixtures in the next three game weeks. Newcastle obviously being the only team that doubled in both 28 and 29. They then blank in 30, whereas all of the others um, had, had you know, have four uh, so have a double either in 28 or 29 and then a single in the other one and then do also play in 30. So, um I guess we've kind of already covered Wolves. They come into that category. Leeds were a team that I, we were wanting to wait and see what happened, I guess, with uh, under under Jesse Marsh. And they seem to have an improved performance in game one against Leicester. Created lots of chances, dominated uh, Leicester for, for, for large parts of that game, but did end up with the defeat. But then another really performance at home, really, sorry, another really poor performance at home tonight against Aston Villa, uh, losing 3-0. So I don't think we're going to be hanging our hat on any Leeds assets going forward. But there were some really, really uh, interesting and quite eye-catching performances from Arsenal, from Aston Villa and from Tottenham in this game week. And they're all really assets, Andy, here that, that, that I guess we will be looking into, I guess, maybe featuring a little bit more in our game week. Um, in our game week 29 preview uh, later on. Um, let's let's start with Villa, Andy, because I feel like this is another another team that can quite easily go in your burn book for the for the week. Um, you went ended up going with, with with Ollie Watkins, and he's one of two Aston Villa. Or sorry, he's one of there were two Aston Villa forwards that ended up with 20 points or 20 plus points. And Ollie Watkins was not one of them. Um, I think before the, before the game week, our logic was you know, in, in singling Watkins out was very much that, you know, he seemed to have nailed down that position alongside um, or, or ahead of Danny Ings, where Danny Ings seemed to be the one that might drop out depending on, on what formation Gerard went with. Uh, it did end up being Ings that ended up with, with the vast majority of returns in this game week. And then similarly, Philip Coutinho, uh, he is eye-catching, even if it doesn't show up necessarily in some of the underlying numbers. Um, I think this, he's now scored four goals since he's returned in January, and that's you know, he's hit the ground running in a way that perhaps no one would have imagined. Um, but we've seen him in a few games where he's gone missing as well. So is he going to be one of them sort of FPL assets that, you, a bit like a Hamas Rodriguez a few years ago when he arrived at Everton, you kind of got to take the rough with the smooth a little bit. He's going to have blanks. But when he, when he does play and is on form, he has some serious double-digit haul potential. Well, I'm not sure. I wonder... So with the with the Rudiger uh, Kilman thing earlier, I, I feel like it's, it's kind of one of those things, just a bit of bad luck, and it could have gone either way, particularly with picking Rudiger or James. Here, I wonder if it's more than just, just bad luck. Obviously, I feel very annoyed about the fact that, as you say, Ings and Coutinho both got 20 points or more, and Ollie Watkins didn't. Only six is not just... That he did worse than them. He did so much worse. It's oh, it's hard to it's hard to do do this show without thinking so much about my team. It's been so bad this week. But I think it's more than just luck. I think it's potentially uh, the formation tweak that's come with uh, 
playing like a 4-3-1-2 uh, now rather than a 4-3-3 Aston Villa and uh, Watkins and Ings are a proper sort of two up front and um, Coutinho is a very, very lively number 10 in behind. It seems to be getting the best out of Coutinho, all of the creativity before, you know, creativity was spread across the team a bit more. We talked about Ramsey um, penetrating from deep because there wasn't really a number 10. So he was getting forward a bit more and, and, and Coutinho and Buendia were creating from kind of wider positions in the 4-3-3. Well, now all of that central kind of creative area is 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 dominated by Coutinho. You're not seeing, I mean, it'd be interesting to look at some heat maps and stuff, which I haven't done yet, but just on the eye, I have not seen Ramsey with those driving runs that he had been producing, which even led me to say that I'd go for a Ramsey over a Coutinho because um, he was getting more into those creative positions. But, but that's not been the case over these last couple of games. Um, Coutinho has been the one on the ball loads, looking like match sharp, very, like I say, lively and, and creating lots of opportunities. And then similarly for Ings, I mean, I can't quite put my finger on that one quite so much, but it, it, um, on why Ings is is looking more of a threat than, than Watkins, because obviously they're both playing as, as a two up there. But that has been the case. Uh, maybe it's just been, that one has been maybe more luck, right place, right time. I don't know. I, I, I you know, couldn't watch both games sort of fully, but um but yeah, Ing Ings had sort of um, more opportunities to to set others up and to score himself in both games. So perhaps uh, that's uh, that's less of a fluke. Uh, perhaps it maybe is one uh, me personally as a Watkins owner would uh, would need to consider. Um, yeah, if I want to invest in a Villa Villa forward asset, have I got the right one? Yeah, I think that's I think that's interesting, and 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 yeah, I think uh, yeah that we did see some some matches, I guess, uh, uh, yeah, with Villa under Gerrard where. You know, Watkins was clearly favoured ahead of Ings and as you say that formation tweak which seems to have kind of sidelined Emi Buendia despite him being the most impressive of Villa's sort of front four um, uh, you know, a few game weeks ago has all of a sudden kind of flipped, flipped on his head with Buendia being very much on the bench it seems to have galvanised um, Coutinho and, and has allowed Ings away back into the team so yeah maybe one to look at going forward just a very quick word Andy on Arsenal and Tottenham because they both double in 29 therefore I feel like we're going to be mentioning them quite a lot in the preview but ultimately a 3-2 win for Arsenal uh, against Watford but uh, it's Bukayo Saka is the Bukayo Saka show at the minute frankly uh, a goal and assist for him he was definitely a player that we mentioned but equally returns for Martinelli Odegaard Lacazette again I'm sure we're going to mention them in a little bit too uh, and then Tottenham they are another team that seem to blow hot and cold particularly under Antonio Conte but when you're up against a, a, a very very poor Everton team uh, Tottenham running out 5-0 winners and of course there were returns from the usual suspects Kane and Son but I think we've mentioned Doherty and we've mentioned Kulisevsky and we're both getting a little bit excited by those two going forward as well and I'm sure they're both going to feature quite heavily in our preview too. Yeah well well definitely and it's hard to say too much here without without kind of ruining that I suppose but yeah that the, the top, top, Tottenham um, obviously went to town here um Everton were were beyond atrocious. It, 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 it's a very strange season for them. Very strange season. Like, like obviously that you could argue they haven't had managers who've been up to the job, but still, uh, there there is that old cliche which I think is is true with with them that the the quality they have in this in their squad. I mean, it, some of the players aren't aren't like world beaters necessarily, but but the, the, the established consistent Premier League players that they, they, they should be doing far better than they are. So yeah, um 
Spurs themselves have been a little bit hot and cold, haven't they? And we haven't really trusted them on and off like throughout the season. But but yeah, certainly all of their attacking assets against this Everton team looked on fire and and you know clean sheets for the defence, fullbacks absolutely or wing backs I should say absolutely bombing on. Doherty seeming to have nailed down his place there at, at that right wing back position, which which is fantastic for FPL managers, I think. Um, so, yeah, full speed ahead for Spurs. They play in the in the blank game week and they've got a decent run after the blank as well. So, you know, lots of positives there. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, let's review our swimming against the tie, Dan. You know, I guess this was um, almost one of the reasons why perhaps you shouldn't swim against a player on a double game week. Uh, we swam against uh, Raul Jimenez being the third most transferred in at the time of recording. Uh, and we were you know, rubbing our hands together with some glee when he was benched in the first game, in Wolves' first game of the game week, uh, only getting one point uh, in his 27-minute cameo. But obviously tonight against Watford, he started and he scored. I guess um andy I, I i guess you'd be pleased but maybe not ecstatic if you were a Jimenez owner or especially if you brought him in for this game week um it'd be interesting to know maybe what wolves uh or what Jimenez owners would be doing with him now and whether that's kind of worth the transfer but ultimately um you know he got had two bites of the cherry and he took one of those bites uh to you know to to, to return in front of goal for his for the owners and that that you know re- rewarding the ones that brought him in this game week yeah, he did. I mean, nine points, maybe you'd want more. Uh, it's one of those where I almost feel like it's a bit of a draw, this one, in terms of uh, we haven't quite swum against the tie. We've not managed to like catch any surf there or anything. But um, Good spin, equally, equally, the tide hasn't engulfed us and, and carried us away either. So, um, yeah, he... He, he got two bonus as well, which I think, you know, when your team wins 4-0 and you only score one of them, uh, the, the fact that you, you get two of, two of the bonus points seems a, a little bit generous to me. But yeah, in those nine, in those nine points there, obviously, like I say, two, two bonus. So maybe you'd probably be happy about, you'd, you'd probably take that if you, if you are someone that's bought him in. But yeah, I mean, ultimately, you know, it was his sixth goal of the season. So can you put it down slightly to chance? I think as well. I mean, there's a reason, you know, he didn't play in the, in that first game. I, don't, I I think he was fully fit, but but Large hasn't seen enough out of him, and obviously in certain games decides to take a tactical tactical decision that he wants different types of players with 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 more sort of legs to the to the team because Jimenez is, you know, even in the seasons where he's done well, he has doesn't add a great deal to the team other than goals. So if you're not bringing the goals, then then yeah, obviously it makes it makes it difficult to 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 always have your place in 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 the team. Um, I haven't seen anything else in the underlying numbers, so I'm not any more convinced about him. But after this game week, yeah, I don't think um, I don't think he would be a long term prospect in in my team. But but having said that, I think pre, prior to this game week, I thought that Ollie Watkins maybe was, and I think you know we're possibly uh, having a bit of a, a bit of an about turn on that one too. So so yeah. Um, not quite sure where I stand on 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 him there's going forward, but but yeah, yeah, well done to you if you did bring him in. Um, but as Andy says, we think we're going to chalk that, this one up as a bit of a score draw. Uh, and let's round off with captains Andy, and this is you know, I guess the final thing, uh, the final little bit of, of of therapy that you have to go through uh, in your game week 28 review before you can draw a line under it and look ahead, look ahead to the future and trying to you know regain that rank. Um, but ultimately, we were you know very hot on Chelsea assets particularly Chelsea defensive assets, um, you know, in the double game week, given their high likelihood of a clean sheet, um, Rudiger being 
you know, front of mind, as we mentioned on the radar, but obviously him only starting one of those and uh, albeit getting a clean sheet, but, but no attacking returns, I guess, means that we're not all that pleased when you could have put your armband on some other assets, you know, from Chelsea, such as a Kai Havertz, such as um, obviously a Rhys James, you would have ended up having a considerably better game week. Yeah, I suppose, I suppose you would have done. Um, it's just everything I said earlier, frankly, though, about about why I went Rudiger in my team over 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 James. Had 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 Reece James been in the defender I'd gone for, I would have captained him. So, um, you know, I think it's just whether whether you thought whether you thought they were they were going to play or or you know we we said the reason we had Rudiger there was because we thought the chance of Chelsea like two clean sheets was higher than, than say two attacking returns for a Coutinho or, or any other Villa player, uh, for example, is I think the, the kind of the comparison that we made. So which, which, you know, pre game week, I think, I think, you know, that, that was the case when you looked at the probabilities. I think we did then go delving into it, didn't we? Kind of off after the pod, we we, we, we saw some stats on, on, on Twitter and, and that was the case really. Ultimately, the chance of, of at least one clean sheet for Chelsea was was higher than 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 of a of a of a attacking return for a for, for a Villa player. So so yeah, um I, I, I I'm I'm always reluctant to try and um you know, analysing these these decisions was with with hindsight because obviously, if you had hindsight, you just pick the king of the game week every week, don't you? Well, quite, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think we also did obviously talk about Wolves defenders and possibly their goalkeeper if you own him. Um, obviously, that ended up being uh, being not the greatest in the first uh, with them not keeping a clean sheet in the in the first game week. And obviously, if if Kilman was a defender that, that you owned, uh, even worse. Um, and then like, we did also give a mention just to Mo Salah, just mainly because it is Mo Salah. But uh, Liverpool didn't have the greatest game week, only scoring the once uh, in a one 0 victory against West Ham, and it wasn't Salah that either got the goal or assist. It was Mane and Trent. Um, does did we miss Coutinho, Andy? He seemed to be a relatively popular captaincy option this game week, but wasn't one that we mentioned on our pod. Um, we had met, we we had noticed the formation change, so maybe we should have been a little bit hotter to this. But at the same time, it was a pretty mixed bag in terms of captaincy, and I definitely felt stronger about the defensive assets that we ended up highlighting uh, might not have worked out necessarily exactly for your specific team. But I think in general, you know, you'd make the Chelsea defensive decision all over again. You'd probably make the Wolves defensive decision all over again too. Um, I So I'm, for me, I hadn't seen enough from Coutinho to warrant giving him the armband. I don't think I'd have put him in my team, let alone giving him the armband. So I don't feel like I've missed anything, but he was, a quite a popular captaincy pick this week. So did we miss something? I mean, I don't I don't know if we did with 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 Coutinho. I think like 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 I've mentioned there, the 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 probabilities of him getting, you know, even one assist were one attacking return weren't as high as as, as a Chelsea clean sheet. So the fact that he got three, um I mean obviously he's not had loads of games, but you know, that's almost half of his attacking returns this season in, in what is it? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games. Um, and yeah, he, he, he's got three in these, in these two. So, so maybe that's not completely outrageous, but, but I don't think you could have expected or hoped for that. Certainly Coutinho owners and captains this week will, will, will be delighted with it. And they, 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 no, I won't be having them telling me that they absolutely foresaw it. I suppose one thing maybe we could we 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 may have overlooked and, and when you when you when you sort of look at the 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 highest scoring players so far this well 
at the end of this game week four of the top five are Villa players. And so maybe we, you know, equally I wouldn't have seen Ings getting four attacking returns this week either, but but the other two are defenders. And maybe I kind of hadn't considered the the likelihood of, of two Villa clean sheets with 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 Southampton and, and Leeds being their two games. Um, maybe you'd have expected it against Leeds, but we'd have been thinking perhaps Jesse Marsh can have an impact. And Southampton have been in good form recently, but I guess the fact that Villa were at home and, and the whole kind of, yeah, as we'd said, hot and cold thing, um, perhaps that was something we slightly overlooked. I guess if we hadn't overlooked it, our first thought might have been Luca Dean, who, to the frustration of a lot of FPL managers, this this game week was was benched for that for that first um, for that first game. But but yeah, obviously Callum Chambers and, and Matty Cash have ended up getting goals and two clean sheets this game week, so scoring plenty of points. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I'm I, I mean I'm not sure. I don't think I'd have backed Villa to keep a clean sheet in either of those fixtures. So. Yeah, I mean, especially uh, you know, Leeds under Marsh in, in the game against Leicester, they created considerable. I think they created nearly two xg and obviously you know, failed to score, but they absolutely out, you know, outplayed Leicester in, in in terms of the xg battle. So I would have expected them to do better tonight. In the end, they didn't really create a lot, and, and Villa were far superior. Um, and you know, Villa have been okay. They've been good under Gerrard, but not as good as as a four nil and a three nil uh, in this game week would necessarily have, have led you to believe. So yeah, I don't necessarily. I don't necessarily think that we that we missed out on that, but I think it might give us some food for thought going forward. Um, because yeah, they do seem to be a pretty miserly defence under under Gerard, not conceding too many, and obviously as in, similar to Wolves, they've got a very good keeper behind them too, so he can uh, he can hide a multitude of Tyrone Mings related sins sometimes. Um, let's leave it there, Andy. We have uh, that might well be one of our longest uh, reviews on a hybrid ever, but there was obviously plenty to talk about. Uh, but when we return, let's uh, let's allow Andy to draw a nice nice big thick line under under this uh, game week twenty eight and we can start looking ahead and previewing game week 29. Here at the FPL Lounge, we are keen to hear from you. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at FPL underscore lounge and let us know what you think. During the season, we will have new episodes out twice a week, a preview show on a Friday and a review show on a Tuesday. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your pods so that you get the show before the all-important game week deadline. Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge. Welcome back then. So let's crack on with the double game week 29 preview. As always on our preview shows, we'll start by running down those all important game week fixtures. We'll have a quick chat about this week's talking points, of which there are many, particularly for Chelsea, but also running through those doubles. We've got some players on the radar. We're going to be heavily focused on this double game week 29 with them. Uh, we will be swimming against the tide and then we'll finish, as we always do, with captaincy and who the heck is that. Uh, let's start then. With, uh, with with those all-important FPL fixtures. Your uh, deadline is Saturday the 12th of March at 11 o'clock, and that's because uh, we have a lunchtime kickoff, Brighton versus Liverpool. Not all that many fixtures on the Saturday. Uh, three o'clock is just Brentford versus Burnley, and then our tea time kickoff, a big one for Andy, Man United versus Spurs. Then on Sunday, we've got a host of 2pm kickoffs, uh, Chelsea, Newcastle, Everton Wolves, Leeds, Norwich, Southampton, Watford, West Ham, Aston Villa, and then at half past four is Arsenal versus Leicester. Monday night football is Crystal Palace versus Man City, and then the doubles. These next six teams all have a double game week. It's Brighton versus Spurs and Arsenal versus Liverpool on Wednesday the 16th of March, 
And on Thursday, the 17th, Everton versus Newcastle. So there you go then. Andy just run through all of those teams on the double. That's Arsenal, Brighton, Everton, Liverpool, Newcastle and Tottenham. So I guess our players on the radar, Andy, is going to be heavily influenced by that. But before we get to those, we better have a quick chat about Chelsea. Obviously, uh, for those that don't know, although I'm sure many will now, um, Chelsea's owner, Roman Abramovich, has been sanctioned by the UK government, seemingly because of his relatively close ties to Vladimir Putin and obviously the war that's going on in Ukraine. Um, Without getting into the geopolitics, Andy, I guess we better discuss whether this will have any impact on Chelsea as an FPL asset or Chelsea assets uh, as, as, as FPL players going forward. And I think what we have seen um, you know, we've kind of bemoaned this already in the in in the preview. Oh, sorry, in the in the in the in the review. But obviously, there was a lot of rotation from Tuchel, and I think in his post-match presser, he did say that Chelsea had been slightly affected by the off-field things that are going on. But similarly, it sounds as if the players that are out of contract this summer um, probably aren't going to get offered new deals now, while or they can't be offered new deals while these sanctions. Uh, on the owner are, are in place. They're not allowed to sell the club, but equally they're not allowed to sell new tickets. They're not allowed to have any, sell any merchandise. And it seems like some sponsors are likely to pull out too. So it is going to be quite an unsettling time. And I do wonder, I think I think it's fair to wonder if that will have some impact on on-field performances. But equally, if you've got players that are out of contract and now aren't going to get offered new deals, are they going to be sort of mainstays in the team? And we are thinking about you know, your Rudigers and your Azpilicuetas when it comes down to that. Well, I think Tuchel, and we saw this with the fact that Christensen played last night, is, is going to have to use what he's got and, and almost not worry about next season at this point. Um, Christensen had kind of been frozen out of the team because of the fact he was holding on to like not sign a contract. Um, but but now uh, you, they can't really worry about that. There's uh, There's so many potential things that could happen here. I mean, Chelsea might not even have a team this season, the way things are going. The fact they can't generate any more revenue... Um, and they're about to, uh, they've they've lost one big source in their in you know in their bankroller. Abramovich can't put any more money in. But there the thing the significant things about the sponsorship points that you made. If if they suddenly lose two other well they've already lost one their their shirt sponsor three. If they lose their kit manufacturer deal as well with Nike, that that's that's like almost three hundred million of 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 other of revenue that they that they had agreed to in those contracts that they will no longer have and there's huge questions then if if Abramovich can't put more money in and they're not getting that sponsorship money and they can't sell tickets or merchandise how do they pay the current contracts like are they going to is is there a danger of like bankruptcy um debt and things so I mean, loads and loads of questions and lots of uncertainty and and um and, and unless there's a sale which I I think it's being reported that they can't be sold, but I I read a I read an article somewhere I think the Athletic or somewhere that said that basically the sanctions mean that like Abramovich can't make money off of Chelsea, right? So he could he could sell them, but like not for a profit, which he said he intended to do anyway. And I think the UK, so I think it I think Chelsea can be sold with agreement from the UK government, um and um. In, in such a way that it, it doesn't, you know, benefit Abramovich. Um, so so maybe there's a route out there and, and, and there's suspicion that there's lots of people interested in a, in a potential purchase. But if, if that doesn't happen um, before the end of the season, then then certainly next season looks dodgy. And, uh, you know, we've spoken really throughout the season before this happened about 
key Chelsea defenders who are out of contract, uh, Azpilicueta, Christensen, Rudiger, um, who would all be probably desired by various clubs at different levels in in Europe. Um, so, 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 yeah, for next season, certainly that would be a concern. And then what impact that might, that might have on like morale and and Tuchel's decisions this season? Yeah, we we, we just don't know. It's 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 a really strange time and. Um, it, it, it could. It sounds like it could change. Like I said, there's a, there's a whole range of possibilities there, from going bankrupt this season, potentially even in a worst case scenario, to being sold very quickly and suddenly having a different billionaire owner who can who can pump in money and re-sign some of these players. So yeah, who knows? Yeah, absolutely. It is it is it is super interesting. And I guess the, the other sort of number that seems to be being floated around is this twenty thousand pound kind of match day allowance that they're being given. And I mean, I've got absolutely no idea how much it costs to put up a, a t- team of Premier League footballers for an away fixture, or I guess even for a home fixture. You know, although, although they'll live in London, I'm sure they they might all meet up in a hotel or at least stay overnight in a hotel, especially if they've got say a twelve thirty kickoff the next morning uh, at, at the Bridge. But I'm guessing these players are in. Yeah, pretty nice hotels and you know, if they've got an away fixture say in Newcastle they might fly so it's going to be relatively expensive to, 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 to do all this and 20k probably isn't enough to cover you know cover a whole squad particularly when it comes down to down to staff as well so yeah I mean it could be a very different map today experience that could be potentially unsettling you know I'm sure there are going to be some some listeners rolling their eyes a little bit saying you know these are molly coddled Premier League footballers but at the end of the day if, if you know these a lot of footballers are kind of a bit superstitious and they do like their routine and all of a sudden if that is a little bit different then you could end up seeing some 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 slightly odd performances on the pitch going forward. I mean, obviously at the end of the day, they are professionals and, um, and, and Tuchel probably isn't going to want to let, um, you know, let this be, become an excuse or become the story. But, um, you know, we have seen it before when, when clubs have been going through you know, financial difficulties that, that, that things have kind of suffered on the pitch and you wouldn't expect it of Chelsea of such a you know, behemoth when it comes to European football. But yeah, it will be interesting to see, to see how it plays out. But similarly, obviously with those contract issues, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what, what Tuchel ends up doing with those, with those, uh, with those players. And, and yeah, it's, um, it's an interesting one. It just is very weird to kind of be in this position, I guess, where um, you know, we, we've spoken a few times about UK government policy regarding COVID, but there's something very, very different now. And 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 yeah, you know, ultimately the government isn't going to let Chelsea Chelsea fold. They are a huge cultural asset, to, uh, you know, to the to the country. This isn't a, a Rochdale or a Macclesfield at the end of the day. This is this is this is Chelsea. Um, so so yeah, I I wouldn't I wouldn't expect that sort of that happening. Um, but but yeah, it'll be interesting to see exactly how it plays out and, and what the government has to do to to allow a sale, but a Brownbridge not to benefit from it, um, and and equally for things to almost return to normal and what the timeline on that will be as well. I think that's all sort of remains to be seen. Well, Northwest listeners of the FPL Lounge cutting us off and throwing their podcast devices at the wall now as Chris slanders their teams and uh, who who are you to say that Chelsea are more of a cultural asset than Macclesfield or or Rochdale to those Well, to those I'm 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 not I'm not but I, I but I imagine that you know the, the powers that be are going to treat you know a league 2 and conference side very that, that's that's going bust through I mean arguably through having you know bad being badly run I don't think anyone would, would ever say that Brambridge has badly run Chelsea right and 
I think there, there is going to be a sense from Chelsea fans that this is kind of no fault of their own, although obviously, you know, your Berries and your Macclesfields will have exactly the same argument too. But I, I, I would imagine that um, there's going to be considerably greater lobbying in support of, of Chelsea not going under than there was for Berry and for Macclesfield. Yeah, quite possibly there might be more lobbying, but yeah, I guess obviously that doesn't necessarily make it right. But you're, you're right, I suppose it, it, it might be more likely to happen um, that, that they'd get saved. But I mean, what the state's going to play pay for Chelsea or something? I mean, yeah, I mean this this has gone off on a, on a bizarre track, hasn't it? But the mischievous part of me is intrigued here because there there is a precedent set by FIFA uh, with players in Russia. FIFA have 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 agreed with the with the sort of professional footballers kind of bodies internationally that if you play for a Russian team you you can terminate self terminate your contract so that you you know you're you're not without any kind of legal ramifications and go and sign for another club so you're so essentially um like all Russia all players that play in Russia are essentially free agents at the moment and I wonder if there's if there's Chelsea players who are playing for a team who are in a similar situation to those players in Russia in that, that like they're, the assets of the club they play for have been frozen and they can't get paid. I wonder if there's ever a situation where that would extend, FIFA would extend that to Chelsea players. Um, because, you know, uh, can you imagine the the like the vultures around the cat, the carcass on the Serengeti, Serengeti if like Kante, Lukaku are all suddenly available for free? I mean, there's already talk about how Tuchel learn off Rangnick and he's part of that Rangnick coaching tree and if he was to ever become available that's like a perfect setup for United in that obviously Tuchel knows the Premier League and he he would be happy to have Rangnick as, as a kind of director above him and and yeah just imagine the scenes it would be it would be hilarious if for, for non-Chelsea fans. Yeah, I mean, on the flip side, you know, Norwich City needs to go start raising the raising the the Russian league and bring in some players that might keep you up. For like, I'm sure there's going to be a be a few additions that they can make that that, that are better than some of the current crop. So, so yeah, I mean, that is that, that is uh, super interesting. But be yeah, yeah, I guess we'll wait and see to see if that happens. And uh, after game week 30, there is a relatively, uh, you know, there is an international break, relatively long break. So I do wonder if we'll start to see see a bit of movement. But yeah, definitely one to keep keep monitoring. Um, let's crack on and with with the radar this week and we are focusing almost specifically on game week 29 I guess our next two radars are going to be very game week specific and that is a bit of a, a bit of a break from the norm for us but um, obviously there is a double this week so we're going to focus on those players that are on a double uh, then obviously it's a blank game week 30 only four fixtures so our radar next week will be almost solely well will be solely focusing on that and then there is a, a, an international break so feels a little bit like game week 31 onwards is almost a mini season in itself. So I think it makes sense for us to have a game week by game week radar uh, for the next two weeks. Uh, so let's start with, you know, with those with those teams that are on a double. And I think it might be best, Andy, for us to start with the teams that we've focused on a bit recently, and that's Arsenal, Newcastle and Tottenham. So I guess we can maybe cover Newcastle off pretty quickly. I think we spoke about them on, on the review show. We don't think really that there are any standout options I guess it will still be the defenders we were a little bit impressed with with, with um with uh, Ryan Fraser Jacob Murphy to a lesser extent and I think that you highlighted some of Ryan Fraser's underlying numbers too but it's still difficult to you know there isn't an asset that's sort of getting multiple returns so it feels 
feels a bit a bit of a risk ultimately, but uh, you know for their price they they know they might be worth a bit of a punt in their double. They obviously don't play in game week thirty though, so if you aren't on a free hit or anything like that, bringing in a Newcastle player this game week means that you know for their double means that they won't play in thirty. Arsenal and Tottenham assets, however, we didn't cover too much on the uh, on uh, in the pre sorry in the review. So uh, I'll let you decide which 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 of those teams you'd rather start with. And uh, and 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 which assets you think you might be thinking about ahead of uh, ahead of this game week? Well, I think I'm going to go with go with Tottenham. Um, but it is worth it reiterating that yeah, I mean, an upside of Newcastle on last week's radar was that they had four games in the next two game weeks. Um, now we're in this situation. You know, Newcastle have two games in the next two game weeks, but there's other teams with with three. So so they you know, and and, and arguably better teams with better players. So so they 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 lose that. Uh, advantage, I guess that the, that they had. Um, we, yeah, and and Tottenham's the one that I think I'd be I'd be jumping at. I mean, there's just something with Arsenal, isn't there? That we've all I've always, you know, since since the Wenger downturn, 15, 20, 15 odd years ago, whatever. You know, they've just not been like like trustworthy, and despite the fact they're com- they're in the top four at the moment. Um, and I love Saka and Martinelli, really. I just, yeah, I'm still not like 100% convinced. Although, you know, although I would, I would be convinced on Saka specifically. He he's demonstrated returns returns consistently. But Tottenham, I mean, as much as they've been disappointing in various games this season, and that and that does worry me. The the fact that the eleven is becoming more and more kind of consistent. Um, you know that that third that third attacker position has been sort of changed a few times throughout the season. We've seen Deli Ali play there. We've seen, uh, obviously, Mora play there a bit and, and others, Bergvine. Um, but Kulisevsky seems to have come in and nailed that down at a very cheap price and be providing returns. So that's obviously rising a lot, raising a lot of people's interests. He it is worth highlighting he's massively overperforming his underlying numbers on that front, getting, I think, five goals, five attacking returns from something like 1.5 expected goal involvement. But, but nonetheless there is some genuine kind of um, potential for consistency behind that in that he's getting the chances that went, went you know, Kane and Son, it's almost like we see in, in NFL a lot, Chris, with um, in big games, the the kind of second and third choice receivers or running backs end up contributing quite a bit because a lot of the focus from the defense goes on, uh, goes on those star players. And, and that, you know, is maybe an oversimplification of what's happening here, but it, it seems like obviously a lot of attention goes to Kane and Son, and Kulisewski has a bit more freedom. And what's also helped him is then the support he's getting from a, you know, a proven, uh, good attacking wing back in the Premier League, in in Matt Doherty finding some form and getting a bit more security in the team as well on on that right hand side. So, yeah, I I, w- I wouldn't. I wouldn't put anyone off Kulisewski necessarily if it works for with the budget they've got, but obviously just just be wary that you can't necessarily expect at six mil him to continue overperforming those those underlying numbers as much as he is. But but yeah, that brings me to to Doherty, and I think he's right at the top of my personal list um, for this game week. Uh, we we like to say we offer up pros and cons here uh, on on the FPL lounge, so I will try and give some cons, but I am I am excited about him. Right, the, I guess the cons would be. It is still only two starts, like in the last two game weeks. Like before, before that he he didn't start, and then I think the game week before that he he did he did. But he hasn't had still hasn't had many starts this season. So from the noises we're hearing out of Tottenham, it sounds like he is ahead of um, Emerson Royale now in the pecking order. But you know the proof's in the pudding, and uh, that would be like a slight reservation for me, I guess. Um, 
but 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 nonetheless you know his performances and his output in these in these games would make you think he yeah he should be he absolutely deserves to continue starting and at 4.7 million his underlying numbers in recent game weeks have been, when he has been starting has been up there with Trent and Reggie on like you know the best in the league for expected goal involvement um obviously Reggion hasn't played recently but I'm talking about when you know or, or as much recently because he's been injured but when when he when Reggion has played um so I think there's an argument for going Reggion if he's you know the, the, the rumors are he's back but ultimately Doc he, he's more nailed than Doherty perhaps but Doherty's half a mil cheaper so I think there's definitely a saving to be made there and um yeah I'm I'm, I'm very with his the fact he's got a double and then plays in 30 as well it's just um a, a, a good option yeah absolutely i think um i think you mentioned it on on the last or it was either one of one of our one of our recent pods that you know this was a guy that was you know, in his wolves pomp he was like six starting starting price was six million and now he's just over four and a half and and yeah you know without I'm not exactly sure what your sort of financial type situation is with with your team and what you've got in the bank but kilman to doherty feels like the move for, for or at least you know, I don't know how many moves you might make this week but it definitely feels like feels like a big a big opportunity for you um I think the just to add to your kind of region um region uh sort of nugget I think it does sound like Ryan Sessegnon who had been playing left wing back for a little bit is out now so it feels like if, if region is going to come back into the team he did he did sort of fall out of favor a little bit but I think um he's he's likely to come back in now now Sessegnon is out so so yeah he is another option but I think Doherty feels like it just feels like the guy. We know what he's capable of from an FPL point of view. He's probably not the greatest defender, maybe not the greatest player, but he does get forward a lot. And uh, and and yeah, I think he, he he offers something something quite unique from an FPL point of view. And then just a, a final word on Kulusevski is that yeah, yes, uh, he may be attracting less attention from defenders than, than Son or Kane, but he is also on it in his own right a very good player. And he start, he's proven that already um, in, uh, in 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 his limited sort of. Premier League starts so far and, and yeah he he feels like an absolute snip to be investing in at the minute um ha- having said that you know I, I would still be tempted by the uh by the sort of safety of, of of Son and Kane because of how good they've been over previous years uh let's move on to to Arsenal Andy they're another team obviously double in this game week but also do play in game week 30 um we've said probably enough about Saka and probably enough about Martinelli and and Odegaard too I think all of those players are, are going to be good options this week and beyond ultimately I think which one you go for will be dependent on on your budget I think Odegaard has possibly overperformed his underlying numbers but he does get a lot of assists and, and he's looking really really good on the eye Saka is a little bit more expensive I think than both of them but probably is a bit more of a goal threat and Martinelli's still still very young but um, probably I think the cheapest of them all um, Lacazette is an interesting one though Andy and I think he's a player that um, I mean he doesn't really divide, divide the FPL lounge I think we're, we've kind of made our minds up on, on, on him already but he is getting some some buzz I think in, in, in on FPL Twitter partly because he's got a lot of assists in recent game weeks. He seems to be playing as that number nine with his back to goal, providing for, for other teammates. But his underlying numbers in terms of his XG, not that great, or at least you know his underlying numbers are okay, but he his finishing has been pretty poor all season. He's scored a few tap-ins, and I think he got a few penalties. But beyond that, um, he has missed quite a few quite a few chances. Do you think that 
I think he's what about eight point three million. You know, he's not he's not he's not as cheap as say a Watkins or or even maybe uh, Danny Ings, um, Michael Antonio probably cheaper than him now as well. Is he worth the the outlay? Like he is playing for a good side. They're on the double. They play in thirty. Um, he is involved in their attacking play, and they can Arsenal can score goals. But he's not really the focal point. He's not the goal getter. So is he worth? the outlay if, he, if you're just going to rely on him ultimately for, for, for assist points and possibly a tap-in? Well, the, I mean, my, my all my instincts say no, right? Because, I mean, to, to, look, at, to look at the numbers, like since game week 20, um, he has had um, 0.5 expected assists, but got registered four assists, right? So again, hugely overperforming. It's like it suggests a you know a pass to someone who's not in a great spot and then takes it round a couple of players and, and sticks it in, right? Um, and equally, he has uh, 2.7 uh, non-penalty expected goals in in that in that time, and he scored none. So you know neither of those numbers are good are good for Lacazette and it's not unusual that that's a relative that's a numbers we've seen for him over a number of seasons now so yeah I mean I'm, I'm really not convinced on the other hand Arsenal's fixtures are all right and we've you know we've moaned about a, a lack of of decent options to, to, when you look at the list of of, of options here Really, the only one I'd I'd massively advocate over Lacazette would probably be Harry Kane, who's obviously significantly more. Anyone else, Ronaldo, Adams, Antonio, Dennis, Tony, uh, either, you know, any Palace forward is coming up. You use your Kings, Dennis, Brogers, Watkins, Jimenez. There's none of them, I guess, I feel any more confident in, particularly at the moment, than Lacazette anyway. So if he's in your team... He's got a double this week and then he plays in 30. Would I be rushing to, to chuck him out? Pro- probably not. But then I suppose I'm not massively confident he's going to return. So I guess, yeah, it, it's one of them classic ones of would I bring him in? It's a, lo- it's a lot of money and maybe I'd just be thinking, well, perhaps I invest that elsewhere in my team and just ride with 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 one forward this week. And, and if I can make that Harry Kane in an ideal world, then then great. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair enough. Um, yeah, I mean, you mentioned Arsenal's obviously good fixtures. Uh, other than other than the, their next three games, you know, they've got Palace, Brighton, Southampton in 31, 32, 33. Also, that you know, they've still got a Tottenham and a Chelsea fixture to rearrange, so that's likely to be a double in 33 too. Um, so yeah, definitely uh, you know opportunities to get on Arsenal assets beyond the, just the next two game weeks. But but yeah, I think Lacazette is is a bit of a head scratcher for me, and I can see many people being tempted by him, and he'll just end up blanking or getting you know five points and that you know that's fine but I think for given the outlay I think you'd, you'd probably want a little bit more from him and, and he isn't he isn't a consistent finisher he has missed you know you mentioned his 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 xg um and 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 ultimately scoring zero goals you know that hasn't been an accumulation of of, of low quality chances some of them have been quite quite you know, good chances too and, and he just isn't isn't the greatest finisher um did well in France, but that was several years ago now. So, so yeah, I think um, I think buy beware on 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 them a little bit. Um, a few other teams, Andy, that obviously double in in this game week, but then don't play in thirty. Brighton, Everton, Liverpool. Um, obviously, we've already covered Newcastle, but 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 they're in that category too. I mean, where would you like to go here? Maybe let's start with maybe let's start with with Liverpool. I think um, we would, I guess, if for this 
this game week, with this double game week, we'd definitely be advocating the Liverpool triple up. Um, Trent, Salah and who else becomes the head scratcher once again. Diego Jota feels like he's dropped off the radar a little bit. Andy Robertson's been massively overperforming his his underlying numbers, like, although I guess he it probably isn't a bad shout if you believe that Liverpool will end up with or could end up with multiple clean sheets in this game week. Um, but you've been pretty impressed with a new Liverpool signing and I wonder if it's time to uh, take a punt on Luis Diaz. Yeah, quite possibly. I think it is. He he he's been good more so on the eye. I mean, his underlying numbers haven't haven't been awful. Um, he's in that like Havertz sort of range, I think, in terms of the underlying numbers in the sort of last four game weeks. But um, but on the eye, certainly he's looked fantastic, and um, he probably hasn't had as many minutes as Havertz over that time as well. So, uh, you know, off the bench a couple of times and stuff. So yeah, he he looks lively. He fits. Str- I mean, what's fantastic for Liverpool, and this happened with Jota when he came in as well. So you know, obviously massive credit to the to the Liverpool scouting department, but he slotted absolutely perfectly into that system. He hasn't needed any time to to hit the ground running. Um, yeah, and he, he's very likely to start at least one of these fixtures, you'd think. Um, I think last time we saw a Liverpool double game week, there was a fair bit of rotation. Both Trent and Robbo didn't start one of the games. I think Joe Gomez started one at right back and Simicast started one at, at left back. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a similar thing in this double game week. Um, which which is perhaps frustrating. And and I don't think any of Salah, Mane, Jota, Firmino or Diaz, you can guarantee two starts, was fortunate in the last Liverpool double that Salah did start twice because a lot of people, including myself, were on the triple captain there. Um, but but you know I don't think Diaz has got any any less of an opportunity really for starts than okay maybe Salah and Mane are like ahead of the other three right. But but outside that, you know he look he looks as lively. Um, I guess he he costs a little bit more. Than, than like a Jota. I can't remember exactly what he came in at. It's 8 million. And, and oh, well, actually, Jota's gone up, obviously, over the course of the season, hasn't he? So he's, he's more than 8 million now, Jota, if you haven't already got him. So actually, that's a pretty reasonable comparison there in terms of price. And I think at this, at this stage, because they're both like classified as midfielders and get the same points for goals, they're a, they're a pretty even like like bet and so and so if if Diaz saves you a little bit of money then then actually yeah that 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 kind of puts him ahead of Jota there for me potentially yeah absolutely obviously they've just come off a defeat uh, against Inter Milan although obviously on aggregate they did go through in the Champions League um, but yeah obviously double game week now Brighton and then and then Arsenal are both away which maybe influences decision making a little bit or maybe limits the, the idea of a clean sheet so maybe not the defensive double up uh, and then and then Notts Forest in the FA Cup and uh, again also away and I have to say that I think that'll be a really interesting tie I don't think Jurgen Klopp can, can play the kids in that one so we'll be um, yeah I think that's potential banana skins forest going really well in 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 the championship at the moment so yeah i i think yeah if you're going to advocate for um for maybe salah or or mané maybe not playing in in one of those you'd think it might be the forest game and i could see it but but yeah it's not one that they can start playing um you know, start playing with all due respect to him you know starting tyler morton et al i think you have to be you know Playing, playing a pretty decent side, and I can imagine you know Jota and Firmino maybe playing in that game uh, as well. So, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Klopp how Klopp navigates uh, navigates you know the next three fixtures. Thinking about Inter Milan that's just gone past as well. Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah, I think there's going to be going to be plenty of rotation, and I was, I've always been pretty confident in 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 Salah starting uh, Premier League games. Um, obviously, I know that that was something that you were a little bit concerned about before that 
very good double when they had Norwich and Leeds. But yeah, I wouldn't be as convinced he's going to start both of these. But still, you've got to have him in your team. You're going to have Trent in your team. Uh, so it's which other one you go for. And I think Luis Diaz is as good as any other Liverpool option. Well, Chris Hopkins alienating Northwest England listeners uh, and now East Midlands England England listeners because I know that uh, Nottingham Forest fans absolutely despise being called Notts Forest because their 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 city rivals are called Notts County um, and so uh, they, they they it's it's a bugbear for them. That, that they're called that. So I just want to try and win back some of those Nottingham Forest fan listeners and say, don't worry, I've got you. Uh, I, I know, I know that, that that that's a bad thing. So naughty, Chris. Thanks, thanks, thanks for that. Um, yeah, great. I mean, I've yeah, I've had some lovely trips to the city ground. Uh, you know, a couple couple of times, and you know, nice uh, nice nice city on the river. Not good night out. Nottingham Rock City. Uh, yeah, love love a bit of that. Here so, it is. Know. Got his so, spade you know, out just, and he's just, digging, isn't he? Yeah, just gonna get you know get 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 my Nottingham credentials out there early doors. Um, let's move on. Another another great city, Andy, is, is of course Brighton. Uh, you know, spent lovely political conferences there, lovely day by the seaside. Um, but we're not really that hot on any of their assets uh, in terms of from an FPL point of view. Um, home games against Liverpool and Tottenham in this game week. And I think as always with Brighton, it's always been a bit of a head scratcher about who on earth. You end up with in your team. I know I'm not sure if you've still got Robert Sanchez possibly in goal, but I mean, chance of a clean sheet across either of these two games isn't isn't probably that high. Um, beyond that, there's not really anyone to sort of stick your hat on for, from a Brighton point of view, is there? I mean, mate. Maybe not. I don't. I don't think there's there's not a lot. Certainly in in the attacking players, I'd I'd say it is possible. Although they're playing you, Liverpool, well, you're not going for Nil Nil Mapai, no. Well, you know, you know full well that um that I'm not there, Chris. But uh, yeah, there's not there's not a great deal in 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 the attacking players. But uh, in the in terms of the defensive ones, I mean, we, we we've mentioned over the course of the FPL, the existence of the FPL lounge, really, that Brighton often do end up kind of sneaky under the radar on their kind of defensive solidity. They don't concede a great deal of chances, and they are in fact fourth across the whole season. Uh, fourth best for expected goals conceded so that, that you know they've conceded the fourth least amount of expected goals across this season only man city liverpool and chelsea have have conceded less than brighton over the course of the season so that so that would suggest your your kind of your best chance there is is probably a goalkeeper or or, or defensive assets i mean it is liverpool and tottenham though and then they they are teams that score plenty of goals so um it's again probably similarly like i said with with lacazette i i have a brighton goalkeeper in my team so i'm probably not in a rush to like get them out because of those liverpool and tottenham fixtures but maybe if i if they weren't in my team it probably you know the goalkeeper there wouldn't necessarily be my focus for this game week and let's round off with everton fresh off the back of a 5-0 drubbing against tottenham um Difficult to really advocate for any Everton players at the minute. I'm not a fan at all of their manager, and I just don't think that that you know, they are in a really precarious position. I mean, we've been talking about about Leeds' relegation prospects, and Leeds are still above Everton at the minute. Um, so yeah, really kind of difficult ones to get to get on board with. Obviously, their their fixtures in this game week, um, Wolves and Newcastle, arguably you know one of the kinder doubles really um, both at home as well but they really do need some points from these uh, Everton but it's very difficult to, to advocate for any of their players from an FPL point of view um, 
Anthony Gordon is possibly the one just because he could be the you know your cheap fifth midfielder um, on a double. And they've got a lot of games that they have to still rearrange Everton. I think they've got four uh, still to be uh, squeezed in before the end of the season. Leicester, Burnley, Watford and Crystal Palace, they've all got to be rearranged. They're going to have a lot of doubles coming up. So I do wonder if having Anthony Gordon as your cheap fifth midfielder probably isn't the worst way to go. He's looked pretty good on the eye as well when he has got an opportunity I think um, had got a few goals and, and assists along the way too but beyond that I think would be well we'd be waiting for Everton's performances to improve but also maybe just waiting for a Dominic Calvert-Lewin to get back fit to give you another forward option never been a huge fan of Richarlison from an FPL point of view on this pod and it's hard to even think of anyone else Andy that's going to score goals for that team yeah I mean you wouldn't touch on any, obviously any of the defensive assets with a barge pole um, I mean, there's such a shower at the moment that it's hard to even uh, consider even Gordon, although he himself has looked good. What what can you do if the players around you aren't aren't providing? But yes, he is very cheap, and if you're wild carding, you need you 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 probably want a, a, um, to save some money somewhere, and, and a cheap fifth midfielder is obviously the way often the way a lot of people go. But then we've got that caveat that we always say that actually midfield spots are a bit of a premium, and so you're perhaps better cheaping out on the forwards where there's there's less good options and 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 um and and maximising those those midfield spots. Yeah, so r- really difficult to to advocate for any Everton players in any position at the moment. Absolutely. All right, then let's uh, let's leave it there, Andy. That's Arsenal, Brighton, Everton, Liverpool, Newcastle, and Tottenham gone through in relative depth uh, ahead of double game week 29. Uh, but let's uh, take a quick break, and then when we, when we return, we will be swimming against the tide. Welcome to the FPL Lounge. Our preview show will always be out in advance of the game week deadline, so be sure to subscribe wherever you get your pods. That way, you'll definitely have it in time to make some tweaks to your team. If you can rate or review us too, that would be great, as we're really keen to know what people think. Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge. Welcome back then. So a pretty quick swimming against the tide, I imagine, this week. Uh, Andy, we've noticed that Rhys James is the third most transferred in. Obviously, he had a very good uh, double game week 28, um, particularly in his first fixture where I think he got like 18 or 16 or 18 points. Um, but he has a flag. Tuchel's come out in a press conference this week and say that he's very unlikely to, to be playing probably out for three to four weeks. Um, so this just feels like... A, a classic, you know, people uh, making their transfers before they've heard any any news. Um, so I'm sure our listeners, our loyal listeners, wouldn't be making such a such a foolish mistake. But I think it's worth flagging just in case they do, or just to tell them definitely do not ahead of this game week. Well, I think that's it. it, it, it in, including this, almost makes a mockery of of, our, of the segment here. Maybe suggests we shouldn't we shouldn't do it so much or do it anymore because. I can't imagine any of these people have, have transferred in Reese James recently. If they have, then they are obviously extremely daft. But I would I would suggest even those that haven't done it recently and did it early in the game week are, for the reasons you said, obviously at least slightly daft. Because yeah, who knew what was to happen in the in the second game? He, he's obviously got injured. He's now not going to play. Um, even if you went for it early, like, and you thought, oh, I'll try and get ahead of the price rises. Like, they've got Newcastle, um, who, who who have been playing better recently. Um, but but maybe you'd be hoping for obviously like a clean sheet in that in that Newcastle game. But you know, it's only a single, and there's other players who've got doubles. Um, 
yeah it just seemed like a very like reactionary move and it's just not the way we we sort of we we play fpl at all is it even 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 a performance and a points haul as good as james's was in that first game week you know if first match of the game week it's just not enough to to make me go that early because if you've made that transfer you you know you've instantly cost yourself four points minimum now to to get him out so yeah um maybe the only defense for it is if you're really thinking long term and you've already used your wild card and you were going to get priced out and you want James long term, this is the only game week he's going to miss potentially because he wouldn't, he wasn't, no Chelsea player was going to play in 30 anyway. And maybe you're going to free hit if you own him and you maybe you'd always plan to because a lot of people have, you know, planned that free hit for 30. And then as you said at the start of the preview, you know, the next game week 31 isn't until April because of that international break. So you've got a long time. It's three to four weeks for James. He might well be back by then. And you're thinking, well, if, he, you know, I might get outpriced on him and I want him in my team for that che decent Chelsea run in uh, in, in the long term. And, and now's my chance to, to grab him and I'll just bench him this week. So perhaps that's that's the only other side, but it's certainly not going to work out for you in the short term. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's leave it there, Andy. Let's move on to captaincy. Um, I guess this is all obviously going to have a double game week flavour too. Um, obviously, Liverpool are doubling, so Salah and Trent are going to be top of the list here. Um, but is there a shout for, for, for Tottenham assets over, say, Mo Salah this week? Um, yes. Is the answer because uh, I think I love it. They're... I love it. I love it when I get one word answer. I love it when I, I make you think and you go, mm, I'm going to go down on the side of yes for this one. And uh, and and that and then obviously I like a good like a good maths teacher. You're going to show you working. Yeah, quite well. Not well, not just a good maths teacher. I guess a good a good a good maths mathematician generally would 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 be showing that working. But um, I think the answer is yes in this instance because of rotation mainly. If we knew Salah was going to start too, then ultimately he's the most trustworthy FPL asset possibly ever. So at Brighton and at Arsenal isn't necessarily the trickiest and you just go Salah. But because it's very, very likely that Kane, Son start two games here and Salah quite probably only starts one, then, then you know... Um, I think that puts Kane and Son, frankly, ahead of ahead of Salah this this game week, and probably Trent. Trent would be someone, obviously, we'd usually advocate, but I could very much see Joe Gomez starting one of these games at right back. So um, I think, yeah, it does look like Kane and Son this game week are, are, are slightly ahead. They both play they both play Brighton away, which is interesting. So the the difference between Liverpool assets and Tottenham assets is Liverpool with extra game is Arsenal away, Tottenham's is Man United away. On current form, you'd arguably say Man United away is is the easier of those. I mean, the underlying numbers would certainly suggest Man United concede more at home than than Arsenal do. Um, so again, another another tick in 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 the Kane and Son box there. I think. Yeah, I guess it's just whether you trust Liverpool more consistently against Arsenal than you would trust Tottenham against Man United. You know, less about Arsenal and Man United, more about Tottenham and Liverpool. And I think I would ultimately trust Liverpool a little bit more. But but yeah, I think there is some serious, seriously high upside um, for for Kane and Son in this game week. I think if you know if I was still playing, would I sit my arms on Salah for the safety move? Probably this game week. I think not sure. Even if I owned Kane or Son, whether he'd end up, whether either of those would end up with. Uh, with my armband but yeah i think um i think i think you make a good point andy that that, that 
I think on paper they've probably got the easier fixtures. Um, it was definitely the fixtures where, from an attacking point of view, they're like more likely to score goals. And yeah, that Salah rotation question mark is uh, is definitely in the back of my head too. Um, Kane doesn't tend to miss for very many Premier League games, and neither does Son. I think any argument for Kulusevski or Doherty, obviously we've spoken about them too. I guess clean sheets for Tottenham in this game week probably less likely than maybe what we've seen going forward say in uh, against Everton as we've seen uh, uh, as they had in in the last game week and um, so maybe not not so much for Doherty Kulisewski would be a, a bold and differential pick but there's nothing to suggest that he's going to slow down anytime soon well it, it depends who's in your team I suppose right I guess ideally hopefully you know you'd probably hope to have at least one of Kane or Son so if you have one of those it really would be a bold move to captain Kulisewski or Doherty over Kane or Son. For me, I, I don't know if I'm going to have the money to get to either one of those. And so then it becomes a decision between Kulisewski or Doherty and, say, Salah. And then that does make it a little bit trickier. Yeah, I think um, there's there's there's, there's question, question marks over Doherty starting maybe a bit more than Kulisewski, although you just don't know, do you really? So... Whereas Kane and Son, you're you're not going to have those question marks over the starts either. So I think that probably would make me lean more towards towards Salah. But like you say, it would be it would you know you could see two starts for for Kulusevski or Doherty in these two games, and it, and it would be a would be a sort of a bit of a differential one. Um, maybe one clean sheet at Brighton, you, you, you'd maybe hope for, and then whatever happens at United, kind of say say la vie. And um, yeah, it's. That that that'll be that'll be a bold that'll be a bold move, but I I can see I can see a few having it, particularly if you can't get to Kane or Son. I'm already looking forward to the to, to the text messages that I'm going to get from you on Saturday morning. Um, you know, not sure who you're going to put your armband on. Uh, I can I can I can see it already. I feel like your transfers are pretty well, not nailed, but I feel like you've got a plan with your transfers and 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 yeah, a little bit a little bit uh, a little bit more up in the air when it comes to it comes to the armband. Now, let's throw Arsenal into the mix, Andy, just to make things more confusing for you. I mean. Saka has to be a good captaincy option this week. You'd argue that, although away, uh, Leicester have conceded a lot of goals this year. Um, so Leicester and Liverpool would possibly be a better double than maybe any of. Uh, sorry, they're both at home rather uh, Saka. So 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 yeah, Leicester at home, Liverpool at home, arguably a better double than 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 Liverpool's, arguably a better double than Tottenham's. And Saka's in the form of his life in terms in front of goals. So I mean, is he? The best captaincy option this week. I mean, again, I think I'd put that in, a, in another slight differential category. You have to be brave, but then I do trust Saka. Like, I, I, and I think he's he's very likely to start both games, which which again helps him over maybe like a Salah. So um, yeah, Leicester have conceded plenty of goals. You're definitely that's your that's your main target, right? Is that Leicester game? Um, you know, obviously they've just had a Europa League game midweek, Leicester as well, and they played a pretty full strength side. Um, and and Arsenal will be will be fresh. So uh, that that's a, that's an upside for for Arsenal there, and they um, that then I suppose if you if you do manage to get something in that Leicester game, obviously whatever happens with Liverpool is kind of just a bonus at that point. Um, it, yeah, it's not the worst. It's not the worst shout ever. I, it, he his consistency and reliability would would tempt me in. Whether whether I'd go for a, yeah, you, uh, we mentioned like Lacazette um, certainly would would struggle to go for that. Uh, Martinelli. Maybe I suppose bold, bold as well. If, if Saka's bold, and Martinelli's super bold, so yeah, Saka's the one, isn't it? If you're going to go for an Arsenal one, 
What about any teams on a single game week? I guess we always tend just just to give the umbrella Man City assets uh, kind of selection. Um, Cancelo, I think, is it injured going forward, or or that he's uh, possibly not been not not been uh, sort of declared as fit as as Pep would like him to be. Um, but obviously, it's from an attacking point of view, they're playing Crystal Palace in this game week. I guess it's uh, as always, who's who, who's going to start, and you know, your Mares's, your Foden's, your Kevin De Bruyne's could all be good options if you think they're going to play. Yeah, I think Cancelo was ill, but uh, and I can't remember with reading whether oh, it was, was like yeah, COVID was, yeah. related or not. But I think um, it wasn't COVID related. But Pep said he was very ill. So right, yeah. So who knows? So that makes it trickier, doesn't it? And we it's the same conundrum we have every week. We could just like snip it out of each show and put it in in the next one. But you know, City are a great team, and it's it's who's going to play. Frankly, that they better than uh, like their fixture against Palace better than some of the double game weekers that we've spoken about. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it is. Is it just um, if if everyone was on a single, I think you'd definitely be fancying a City player more. But you know, Kane in two games, Son in two games. Whilst they might not be as reliable as as a De Bruyne or whatever, and De Bruyne would have scored you plenty of points this game week, by the way. Um, you know, it, it's still double the amount of time. So um, it's it. You know, and when you don't know that those City players are definitely going to start, I mean, they rotated a lot in midweek, so you'd think there's there's good chances for a lot of the the mainstays as you mentioned the Mares is the Bruyne's Foden's whatever uh still you know half the amount of time that they are good players but it it's d- difficult I I don't know that oh I'm, I'm struggling because I trust those City players more in my head when now you say it but um it's there's going to be some tough calls again I think on Capsi this week as there was last week I feel like I feel like the the majority will go with a Saint, uh, sorry, a, a Kane or a or, or, or a Salah would be my guess, um, and then yeah, obviously Son will be it will be in that mix too. Um, I do wonder, and I'll be really interested to see some sort of fantasy um, captain poll or, or, or you know, to see, see what what the numbers are. But I do wonder how many because I feel like Rafinha got quite popular again. I do wonder how many will put the armband on on Rafinha in a single game week against Norwich. And I think, um, I mean, I don't know if Andy would advocate for this, but my my Chris's top tip this week would just be, if you are vaguely tempted to do that, just don't. Just just, just don't. Leeds, atrocious again last night. Um, had a, And yeah, Rafinha from what I've heard from Leeds fans, just not really that interested at the minute. So yeah, it's a good fixture, but there are doubles and there are Man City assets if you're going for a single and just don't get, you know, don't get tempted by by, by Rafinha this week, um, but I know that he would he might be popular because of his high ownership. So yeah, just uh, I think if, if if that was a you know I don't have the numbers in front of me, but if that was a tide I could swim against, I certainly would be. I'd be you know paddling my arms as quickly as I could. Well, I mean, uh, it's funny you say that because before the Villa game last night, you attempted to put Rafinha and or maybe some other Leeds players on the radar if we'd seen that continued defensive improvement from 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 Leeds so it's funny how one game can can kind of change things so dramatically but I think you're right like Rafinha although he had a big chance against Leicester uh, you know he, he he has looked kind of uninterested and, and it's a shame because Leeds's run is decent and I think if they could have continued that what seemed like progression under Jesse March in that Villa game we yeah there might have been some some Leeds options we could have we could have considered um 
you know that their, their run is Norwich. They do pl- in in this game week, albeit only a single. They 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 do play in thirty, which is helpful. It's Wolves and then Southampton, Watford. Uh, so yeah, not not the worst, but uh, um. I'm going to be, yeah, I will be steering clear, I think. Yeah, got to pick up some points uh, in, in in the next four for Leeds. Otherwise, they are they are facing another season back in the Championship, which is good news for me. But, uh, you know, good news for, for, for those EFL fans uh, among our listeners, of which I know I'm not the only one. So, uh, so yeah, um, but but beyond that, yeah, I think anyone tempted to stick your armband on, on Rafinha this week, don't. Uh, let's finish then, as we always do, Andy, with who the heck is Stat. For those that don't know, it's a little game Andy and I like to play where we take it in turns each week to pick a player from the FPL universe and the other person has to guess who it is. Uh, they must be owned by at least 5% of FPL managers and we get five clues to guess who it is. If we guess it after the first clue, we get five points. After the second clue, four points and so on and so forth. Every time we hear a clue, we have two minutes to make our decision on whether we're going to stick or twist with our previous guess. And that means that we don't reveal the answer to the end so you can play along at home. Uh, I drew a massive blank last week, uh, similar to Andy's Max Kilman pick. Uh, so, um, so, so yeah, uh, all to play for still, but it's still a five-point deficit, and Andy has the opportunity to extend that now. Um, yeah, I feel like this could be. I mean, it's not obviously curtains, but a big score here, Andy, and it's going to be very hard for me to for me to claw this back. So, so yeah, it's a uh, it's good opportunity for you here to 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 really get your you know, get. Get your name on the trophy for a second year in a row. I suppose. Um, yeah, I think we've seen uh, it with this game how things can turn quite quickly. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't say like you, yeah, like you suggest, it's not necessarily the end of 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 the season if if I get one here. But also, you know, I, I'm hungry. I haven't had my breakfast yet. You're trying to get in my head with your Max Kilman jibes. Uh, so yeah, let's see what happens. Amazing. All right. Um, let's uh, let's crack. Let's kick it off then uh, with, with with clue one. Uh, so it's this player's ninth FPL season, and they have already secured their sixth double-digit finish. Sixth double-digit finish. Yeah, point like points total. So it's their ninth season, and it, they've already got their sixth double-digit points total. Sorry, triple-digit, triple-digit. Sorry, sorry, my right. bad. My bad. Right. Okay, yeah, I was like, oh, wow. I'll give you a few more seconds there, if you want, on the end of this one. Mm, Okay, I mean, 100 is still not like a a great marker, Uh, but but I suppose there's some level of consistency there is is what that's demonstrating. It's their ninth season. Hmm, Who could have nine seasons? Uh, I don't know why, but James Ward-Prowse has come to mind. Um he just because of the consistency he you know, like in you know famously he 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 had a run of lots of games for for Southampton over the course of two or three seasons where he didn't miss a minute or something although I think he has missed some this year and I wouldn't be surprised if he's nipped over that 100 point mark with with obviously the few goals he's he's had in his earlier seasons he might not have played as much and that's why it's only only six in nine so yeah I mean part of me thinks we maybe have had him this season though so not hundred percent sure about that, but but that's an option. Okay, who else is there? Uh, looking down these fixtures, Palace, Wilf Zaha. Wilf Zaha is an option. I could see him have been in. You know, he's had a few goals and things. Uh, ninth season could be about right. Although I think he might have even had more than that by now, maybe. Um, but I guess I guess he wouldn't have had all his time at Palace in the Premier League. So nine, yeah. And six triple digit. Would he be in triple digits seconds. yet? I think he's probably Palace's highest scoring player. 
oh, I've got a couple of options there and haven't even got through any of the rest of the teams. This is unusual. Um, I think there could be a few people who this applies to, couldn't there, I suppose, because it's a low bar, that 100-point mark. So, um, OK, let's just go with Zahar because I think we may have had... We may have had Jane or Prowse, so I'll go with Zahar. Okay, no worries. Uh, clue number two, then. Despite being owned, or, yeah, this is a little bit uh, complicated, so make sure you listen closely, and I will repeat it if you need. Okay. Uh, despite being owned by less than 10% of managers, well, obviously more than 5%, he's in the top 10 point scorers at his position, but has played at least 200 fewer minutes than each of the nine players in his position who have scored more points than him. Okay. Top 10 point scorer in his position would maybe make me think not Zaha. I mean, he has missed some minutes, so that might work. Um, what was the start bit of the clue? Um, despite being owned by less than 10% of managers. Yeah, less than 10%. I could definitely see it being less than 10%. Um, so the issue there for me is, is he, win, is he a top 10 scorer midfielder? I think that that seems unlikely to me. Um I guess James Will Prowse could be, given his goals, but uh, ooh. yeah, the midfield position there is it's making me think probably possibly not, maybe more likely like a forward where there's not many um there's not many decent options. Um I guess could it could it be Ronaldo? I don't think he'd be less than ten percent owned. His ownership wouldn't have dropped that much, I wouldn't have thought. Um, ninth season might sound just about right for him. Maybe slightly less though. So um, mm, this is tricky because I can't think of a better option than Zahar, but I don't think Zahar's going to be a top 10 scoring midfielder. So mm, I guess it could be defender, but then who? <sighs> ninth season. Hmm, this, this is tricky. I think, uh, yeah, I, I could go in two minutes. I could probably go through. I, I wouldn't be able to go through all the teams. I'd probably find a player from each team that might have played, you know, nine years and been a consistent performer. So I guess I've got to stick with Zahar at this point. Um, it could be War Prasa, like I say, but I'm not convinced it's Zahar on that on that top 10 thing. 10 but let's, let's stick with him and okay. get some more information. No worries then. Uh, clue number three. So this season marked his highest ever starting price, which was half a million more than the previous season and two and a half million more than the year before that. Who the heck is Stat? Say that again, sorry. Uh, so this season marked his highest ever starting price, which was half a million more than the last season and two and a half million more than the year before that. Half a million more than last season and two and a half more than the year before that. Correct. Okay. Um, I'm going to have to go down some other, other teams here then. So City. Um, oh, God. I guess there's loads that could be in the top 10 midfielders. Although top 10... I guess, actually, in terms of midfield, I don't think De Bruyne would be there. We had Bernardo. There's going to be a load of Liverpool players in there. I suppose it might not be midfielders. They don't have strikers, defenders. Walker's had more. Cancelo's not had enough. The others haven't had enough. Probably not City. Arsenal. Uh, are there any Arsenal players who have been in the league nine years, frankly? 
I'm trying to think of any. I don't think any across that midfield defence. Leicester. Um, nine. Have Leicester even been in the Premier League nine years now? God, if they have, wow. That's, it can't be as much as nine, can it? I mean, if it is, then maybe someone like a Schmeichel or a Vardy. Consistent performers for those teams. Sixth year in triple digits. 30 seconds. Uh, would Vardy have as much as triple digits, though? I don't think so. Schmeichel might do, though. Maybe Schmeichel would be more than 10%. Oh, this is... Oh, God. Okay. Two and a half mil more, though, than a previous... So Schmeichel can't be two and a half mil more. Um, That's 10 seconds. Yeah, I haven't got enough. I don't think. I think Vardy could maybe be in that shout. So let's just... I think it's not Zaha, so let's go Vardy. Go with Vardy. Okay, clue number four then. He has nine goals so far this year, which is his second highest ever goal return in the Premier League. However, his three assists so far is significantly down on his output in five of his last six seasons. Who the heck is stat? Right, well, I don't think it's Vardy then. I can't. I think he must have had more than nine on more than two occasions or more than one occasion. So... Nine can't be his second highest total ever in terms of goals. Um, bloody hell. Right, so nine goals suggest not a defender, though. Probably a forward. Um, although, although they say probably a forward, if nine's the second highest, um, maybe it is a midfielder. But then, but then who's going to be in that? top 10 scoring midfielders who'd have had like nine nine goals and it'd be their their second highest total mm. oh god right i mean would 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 de bruyne be on 100 points yeah i can't surely well he had quite a few this game week didn't he He's the only one really nine seasons. Would he be in the top ten scoring midfielders though? <sighs> sixth, yeah, I guess sixth. He's had some injury problems. That might be the minutes thing. Um, what other clues? What other clues? Two and a half mil more than a couple of seasons ago. Half a mil more than last season. I think he he was higher this year. Yeah. Uh, I think he started at 12, and was he 11 and a half? What does that mean? He was nine and a half the year before that. That that sounds low. Um, well, I think it's not Vardy, so I just, I'm going to have to go De Bruyne. Going De Bruyne. Okay, clue five then. Despite being a premium asset, he'd probably be an FPL essential if only it wasn't so difficult to predict his manager's lineups. Mm. All right, well, I might have stumbled on some luck here. Uh, big big slice of luck I think because um, I don't know where I've pulled the Bruyne from because um, I didn't even get to half the teams in this list frankly um, but I, yeah I guess I, with, on that I have to stick with De Bruyne let me just go over the other clues again in my head though um, so ninth season and already got his sixth triple digit score uh, owned by less than 10% of managers, top 10-point scorers in his position, but played 200 fewer minutes than each of the nine above him. 
uh, half a million more than last year and two and a half million more than two years before was his starting price at the start of this season. Nine goals so far this year, second highest ever return, but three assists so far, significantly down on his output in five of his last six seasons and would be an FPL essential if it wasn't so difficult to predict his manager's lineups. Yeah, well, I mean, that all ties up. Lots of assists in other seasons. There can't be many players who have the room to move two and a half million in price. Uh, yeah, obviously, the, it's it's Pep, it's City um, with the whole predicting the lineup thing. So, yeah. De Bruyne. I mean, I'm surprised top 10 midfielders, if that's the case, though. Yeah, so it is Kevin De Bruyne. He is 10th. He is 10th, and I guess it's... Wow, it's amongst the midfielders. That's really surprising. It's the Man City... Uh, it was the, the Man United game that I guess got got him there. Um, but yeah, City have like 11 or 10 or 11 players that have got over 100 points so far this year, and, and obviously he, he he is one of them. So, so yeah, uh, yeah, nine and a half million a few years ago, which is um, yeah, wow, surprise. which is crazy. Um, but 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 yeah, uh, yeah, there, there we go, Kevin Kevin De Bruyne, it is, and um, obviously his three assists this year significantly down on five of his last six. Obviously he had that season where he was really injured, so. Didn't have a great year then, but but yeah, it's uh you got there in the end. So two points for for Mr. Case, and yeah, that's uh you got there. I see you, you say it was luck. I don't know. You you did rule De Bruyne out, but then you went back to him, and I think that that's. Well, I don't think I, I can't remember because I whizzed through those City players so quickly. And you know what? It's only because I, for whatever reason, decided to go from the bottom up on the on the fixtures this this game week. Oh, she'd never got there. Probably probably not. No, but um. Because what made me, I guess, stick around Liverpool and City was you you saying the um, top 10 point scorers in the position thing and then nine goals. Obviously, I was leaning towards it might be a forward at one point, but I, for nine goals to be the second highest total, to have been a Premier League player for nine seasons consistently, I, again, that three assists, nine goals kind of suggests midfielder, right? Um and yeah, it, it, but the but the top ten scoring. I mean, there's obviously a lot of high scoring midfielders this season, so that was that was really making me question whether he could possibly have played enough. But I mean, looking at looking at his points now, I've just quickly done the maths on it, and 67 of his 120 points came in just five games this season. So that's why it's such a surprise he hasn't. You know, he's had five double digit hauls, and that's a, and that's put him in the top ten. And he's he's obviously he's barely really scored any points outside that. Um, the odd the odd returns here or there and lots of blanks and injuries and things. So obviously he's an explosive player and he, he has a high ceiling and it and it's that high ceiling which has pushed him into the top ten despite not playing very much. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I think um yeah when 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 I wrote the clue, I guess I I guess it may be not strictly true now technically some of them um just because I think Mount got 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 bonus points which wouldn't which I wouldn't have seen uh, last night when I when I wrote the clue, but. But yeah, uh, so Mount is now level with him. Uh, so they're joint. He's the joint tenth now, uh, which means that I guess there are technically nine and a half players above him. And the 200 minutes clue wouldn't quite be right because Mount's played uh, a little bit less than all of the others above him in the list. But I think for all intents and purposes, it, it was there, and I don't think it stopped you stopped you getting it. But yeah, 120 points for for, for him, and and yeah, Sterling and Mares and Foden below below him, but all all over a ton as well. So. Yeah, uh, he, he. I guess he's a bit of a boom or bust player, and it's those injuries that have kind of stopped being stopped him being an FPL essential as well as uh, as well as Pep's general rotation. 
Uh, let's leave it there then, Andy. Um, but obviously, if our if our loyal listeners have any questions ahead of uh, ahead of the deadline for game week 29, namely um, whether you've got over game week 28 yet, um, how can they get in touch? Well, they can find us on Twitter or Instagram at FPL underscore lounge. Amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And do remember to uh, rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. Uh, it's really, really lovely to hear all of your wonderful feedback, all of your glowing feedback. Um, obviously, it's going to be uh, going to be a, a long game week again for Andy and I. We're probably going to be end up doing a hybrid, um, although that may end up being a bit of a shorter preview just because uh, obviously game week 30 is, is, is a blank game week for, for so many teams. And um, we're hopefully going to get that done. Wednesday, possibly into Thursday. So hopefully you'll hear from us towards the back end of next week. But it is a Friday deadline ahead of game week 30. So we'll try and make sure the podcast is out well in advance of the deadline. Uh, So Andy, until then. Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge.